Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. There's something about Christmas time that's always fun, that's always really nice and pleasant. And I don't know, I, I thought of it this year about the angel's joy at the birth of Christ. If you think about it, it's, it's actually kind of, kind of funny. It sounds like a bunch of kids on Christmas morning, right? One, one of, um, it, you can almost see that like uh, the angels go to God and they say, please, 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 can we tell somebody? Can we tell somebody? And God the Father says, all right, go tell the shepherds, that's okay. And they talk amongst themselves and they say, okay, who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? One, okay, you, you, you. They go and he says, be not afraid for I bring you good tidings of glad joy. And then as if they can't help themselves, they just burst forward, glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. It's just wonderful. It's wonderful. And it's something to remember and to keep in mind. Because there's so much in this world during the time of Christmas that seems very nice, but oftentimes it's fairly deceptive in how nice it is because it kind of brings our eyes off of what Christmas is really all about. The trees are great. I love the wreaths and the decorations. I love the garlands. I, I love it all. But sometimes these things can draw our eyes off of what Christmas is really all about. We've heard it a lot, right? You know, keep Christ in Christmas, right? He is the reason for the season. And it's true. And if that is true, y'all are heeding that very well because in church is where you ought to be, right? Not out shopping, not necessarily watching holiday films or anything like that. You can do that after church. That's okay. But for right now, we are here to hear about the birth of Christ, to sing praise and glory to God in the highest for what he has done. And during this time, because of all the trappings that are really very pleasant and very nice, we sometimes can, I, I wonder, I can't speak for myself, but I wonder if there are some people who may look at the birth of Christ and they may look at it and say, well, it's just a nice story, right? They look at everything else going on through this world, like Santa Claus and his elves and things like that, right? And they may think to themselves, well, you know, Santa Claus is a nice story and, and we tell our kids these things and he brings us presents and all these things like that. And Jesus is just the same way. And we say, well, you know, Santa is a real man, right? He's a real Saint Nicholas that actually lived and brought presents. And we do these things in honor of him, right? And the thing is, is that with Jesus, God does not give the words to Saint Luke that says, once upon a time, right? He doesn't give the words to Saint Luke that says, a long time ago in a land far, far away, he says, it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, right? An actual person. And he gives these different names and these different times so you can actually go back and say, this really happened, right? 
This really happened. Luke emphasizes this, that what he's writing is no fairy tale, it's no fable. He grounds his account firmly in history. The birth of Jesus marks the fullness of time and the fulfillment of the Old Testament history and prophecy that from the beginning, when man fell, we have been longing for a Savior, whether we like to admit it or not, right? We've been longing for a Savior, for a Christ to come and save us. And he has. But this story... It seems too good to be true, doesn't it? It seems too good to be true that God would be born as a man, that he would come down and humble himself, and he would go even further and not just be born a man, but the lowest, right? He would be born as someone that nobody really would have paid any attention to. Nobody would have paid any mind to him. He wasn't born a prince of this world. He wasn't born to be a king of a kingdom on earth, as it were. And so the world saw him, and they didn't really know what to do with him. At the very least, they despised him. But in this man, Jesus Christ, God and man are brought together thus bringing peace. And the circumstances of his birth, again, it sounds too good to be true, because when you look at the circumstances of the birth of Christ, you can see all kinds of connections and all sorts of things that foretell what he came to do. Because he didn't just come and stay as a child, right? We don't just pray to the baby Jesus, right? He's a man. He grew up and he lived a life Perfect, without sin. He lived a life so that we would be reconciled with God. He lived the life that we should have lived. And we can see that in this birth story, these things come out. That when Jesus is born, he is born, uh, uh, he is born among the beasts, right? He is born in a place where the cattle feed. And this points to his being the new Adam who comes to rescue us from our beastly sin. That in very reality, he is born among the beasts, which is us. Because our sin has, make, has made us so different from what God has really intended for us to be. It has so distorted the image of God that in a lot of ways, we are no better than those beasts as long as we are dead, dead in our sin and trespasses. Another thing from his birth story is that he was placed in a manger made of wood. And one day, that wood, or a different kind of wood, would be used for his cross, where he would die and give up his life so that we could live forever. And last but not least, as far as from what I've pulled out for tonight, 
as far as what we can see from the story, that the strips of cloth which he was wrapped in point to his burial when he was laid, when he was laid in the tomb, from which he rose to conquer the curse of that first Adam. Right? You can see these things just radiating out of the story. And it's a wonderful story. And so it's maybe no surprise why some people might say that's just too good to be true. It all just lines up way too good. But it lines up that well because that's how God has ordained it. He wants us to see who Christ is. He wants us to see his only begotten son, who really was sent, who really did live in time and space, who really did die, and who really did rise from the grave. Now, there was something that uh, I did not include in the reading from Luke chapter 2, and I'm kind of kicking myself because I wish I did, because after the shepherds come, and they see Christ. It says, Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. In this way, we have a good model in both of the shepherds and in um, in both the shepherds and in Mary. That on one hand, this news is just too good to keep to ourselves. That we ought to go out and proclaim it to all people, to all creation, to say, do you know? <laughs> you might have maybe heard, but let me tell you again, right? How wonderful it is that God has saved us. How wonderful it is that he has sent his son to be born, to live and to die and to rise again for us. But also, there's the other side of it, that maybe before you go out and you proclaim these things, before you go out sharing that joy, maybe you might feel a little bit more, more comfortable being like Mary, keeping these things in your heart, treasuring them, pondering them, contemplating them, marveling at how wonderful it is so that you would be moved to go and do these things, right? And during this time of Christmas, we're very glad that you're here. We also have church going on tomorrow and the day after as well. So um, if you would like to ponder more, if you'd like to hear more, we ask you to come. Because the thing is, is that in, in the town of in the town of Bethlehem, Jesus was laid in a cattle trough. Right? Bethlehem means the house of bread. 
And the thing is, is that when Jesus laid, he was laid in a cattle trough to be the bread of life for us, to feast on, so that our humanity might be, might be restored through him. So in this place, this place here has become that house of bread, where the bread of life is given for you. Tomorrow we will celebrate that with the bread and with the wine, the body and blood of Christ. A wonderful and joyous thing. So that you would know that you don't have to go out and see a whole bunch of Christmas lights to feel like Christmas. You don't have to have garlands and wreaths, although they're nice, and Christmas trees are great too. You don't have to have all these things because Christmas comes to you, especially in the sacrament of, of his body and blood, where Christ humbly comes and feeds you. May this grant you peace. May you have a blessed and Merry Christmas, and may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.